the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we're wrapping up this week. It's been a great week. So interesting. So much going on. I just want to, uh, I've been reviewing some of the uh, Phyllis Schlafly, the 29th Collegian Summit that we hosted a few days ago in Washington, D.C. We had 17 speakers uh, with these great interviews and conversations, kind of famous people. Congressman Thomas Massey comes to mind. Congressman Matt Gates. And then people that you might not know their name, you know their issue, um, Cynthia Hughes, the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project, which is fighting for the January Sixers. And um, also uh, we had uh, a Marina Hoffman, who's been talking about women in the Bible, but also uh, her family. She's American and her family is originally from Canada. Her dad is a trucker and a pastor. She's talking about how government is being uh, uh, overly uh, burdensome and overly intrusive in Canada. On and on, issue after immigration, Todd Bensman, uh, all sorts of folks. So very uh, helpful, wonderful collegians. Thank you to those of you that tuned in. You can visit ProAmericaReport.com and see some of the um, uh, uh, speakers there. But the better way is go to PhyllisSchlafly.com slash collegians. PhyllisSchlafly.com slash collegians. Okay, today's what you need to know is life is on the march. Life is on the march. Not just the pro-life march, which takes place every January, but life is on the march. We're all waiting for the decision to come out in Dobbs. And we're very optimistic that it will be a great decision. We're reversing uh, Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton and Pennsylvania versus Casey or Planned Parenthood, Pennsylvania versus Casey. All decisions that were really poorly decided and not based on really smart reasoning, just sort of politics over, uh, over legal principles. So we're hoping for a reversal, which means things will go back to the states. And that's where it's interesting. You see, for about 25 years, the left has relied upon using the courts as their legislative branch. If you can't pass it through the legislature, state or federal, you go and get the federal courts or the state courts to do it. So a few years ago in Iowa, the left elected a couple more Iowa Supreme Court ju- judges and the Iowa State Supreme Court did what the U.S. Supreme Court did in 1973. The Iowa Supreme Court in 2018 said, I think it was 2018, Um, either 2018 or 2019, said, we've discovered a right to abortion in the Iowa state constitution. So no matter what they do at the big big U.S. constitution, the big constitution will always have abortion in Iowa. Well, Iowa's a pretty conservative place, pretty pro-life place. And so what happened was people suddenly said, what? They said, wait, I guess I care more about who's on the Iowa Supreme Court than I did before. And over the last four years, They've had a few of those justices retire and a few more get on the bench who are conservative, just like at the U.S. Supreme Court. And so on Friday, the Iowa Supreme Court went back on this created right, which happened in 2018, I guess, yeah, 2018 ruling. And they said, yeah, we got to overrule that. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. We're going to overrule that. That was created out of whole cloth. And... um. So now what happens in Iowa 
is if the U.S. Supreme Court reverses Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton, and U.S. Uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, then Iowa can go ahead and pass laws that uh, limit abortion. So that's a big deal. And Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa, she deserves credit. Uh, she tweeted, today's ruling is a significant victory in our fight to protect the unborn, et cetera, et cetera. So what do we have happening here? We have, and I spent some time with Bridget Van Means of Thrive Nation, a, what started as a pregnancy resource center and has really become a, a center for service to women, uh, soon-to-be moms and uh, children and others, and, and a kind of community force, Thrive Nation. And she was in Washington, D.C., and she was making the rounds, visiting people, and more and more people are saying, wow, we've got to do more to focus our attention in the right place, in the right place, on the women, on what's happening, but we've got to protect life. And there are things happening in this country. I, I spoke um, early on Friday with a, a, a businessman, Luke Vanderbleek. Luke Vanderbleek is a pharmacy owner who happens to be a pharmacist. And he's a great Christian gentleman, and he has for years. I, I was the lawyer when he was fighting against Rod Blagojevich, who was trying to make uh, people, of, the people of Illinois, the business owners of Illinois, the pharmacy owners of Illinois, the pharmacists of Illinois, dispense the abortion drugs. And Luke Vanderbilt fought back then, and I was talking to him today, and we were saying, he, excuse me, he was saying he was optimistic and hopeful that there would be a renewed series of conversations in our nation about abortion and about life after the Dobbs decision. In other words, it would be a Dobbs decision would be a, a have a legal impact. Yes, but it would have a cascading effect on making people beginning to charge people with kind of really examining what's going on. And as, as, as Luke said, realizing the barbarity of especially late term abortion, but just in general, and that there's an opportunity just like there was an opportunity after 3D ultrasounds became more common and all these things are happening, there's an opportunity to try not just to win the legal precedent, not just to win the, the reversal, but to win the hearts and minds, to win the argument, to, win the, uh, to, to gain momentum for the people of this country. And my encouragement to you, if you're pro-life, is life seems to be on the march. A lot of things are off base, right? Big tech and big media. The, the, the Congress seems broken. We can't control our borders. Our president seems a bit well, more than a bit. It seems clueless. But I would say more and more people are rediscovering, recovering, maybe just discovering that life is valuable and matters. And as a matter of policy, as a matter of the laws, we're seeing life on the march. I mean, a lot of people, lots of people who just are terrified and devastated that abortion takes place in America for all these decades have worked and, and prayed and, and, and led. And now we're living at a time where Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton can be reversed, where the Iowa Supreme Court gets reverses its bad decision and says, yeah, yeah, yeah of course you can limit abortion. And more and more young people say they're pro-life. Life is on the march. The life is on the march. It's a great time. It's a great time. All right. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll speak, uh, first of all, with uh, Mark Paletta about his book about Clarence Thomas. It's Clarence Thomas in his own words. Uh, Mark Paletta and uh, Michael Pack put it together. And then David Horowitz. David Horowitz will challenge us as he only can. Always a challenge about getting ready to fight back. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest uh, paired up with a a friend of mine. I was really Michael Pack and his wife did an incredible job with this film, uh, Created Equal, uh, Clarence Thomas. And it was many, many hours of of interviews with Clarence Thomas uh, that became the uh, the, this documentary. And I remember Michael Pack, he did a session down at the theater in uh, in the Georgetown section of D.C., he and his wife. And they said, you know, one of the things that made this documentary, it's two hours long, but we had all these extra hours and we'll see what we do with it. Well, now we found out. Um, and our next guest has paired up with Michael Pack. Uh, Mark Paoletta is a, an attorney who uh, worked in the Trump administration. He was general counsel in the Office of Management and Budget, OMB, which is a big, big job, and uh, also uh, worked uh, for Vice President Pence. And um, uh, so, um, and I also noted that when looking at your uh, bio, uh, Mark, that you, the, the confirmations of, of some of the justices and judges you were involved. So, uh, first of all, welcome, Mark. How are you? Uh, great, Ed. Thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. Let me, if I may, before we get to this, and I want to say the book that's available, it's available anywhere you buy books. I'm looking at it up myself on Amazon, um, and it's out in a few weeks, so you can pre-order it. Um, but before we get to that, Mark, um, the the treatment of the justices, the intensity now, there was an assassination, at least an attempt is the wrong word, I hope. But maybe we say assassin, would-be assassin showed up for Justice Kavanaugh. Um, uh, Justice Thomas's wife is being sort of pulled into the political propaganda machine. Uh, you know, you're an attorney and you've worked closely in the, in the in this field, in this area. There's never been anything like this, has there? You know, Ed, there, there ha- hasn't been in this sustained uh, attack the court, try and burn it down. And I think it's because the left has realized uh, that the Supreme Court is no longer their super legislature to politically <laughs> enact yeah, yeah. Their, their progressive agenda. And they saw this, you know, President Trump, you know, uh, appointed these great Supreme Court justices and it really turned the tide uh, for what we call originalist justices, justices who look at the text of the Constitution and, and text of statutes and apply them, the original meanings. Um, and so they want to burn, the left wants to burn it down. And, and when, if you think about it, you know, in terms of these, 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 these times and how crazy are, the only person, the, the only member of Congress who's ever been, you know, a, a, you know, an attempt assassination on him is Steve Scalise coming from a left, a left yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. supporter. Right? That doesn't happen uh, with the right doing it to, there's not a single congressman or woman ever, right? Or in the modern days who's ever been attacked um, by somebody on the conservative side. Same thing here with the, with the Supreme Court justices. They are, you know, going to their homes and something that is not discouraged by the Biden administration um, and certainly the president, the president has yet to publicly and personally condemn, uh, uh, you know, this attack. You're, you're right. Attempted assassination, whatever you want to call it. A guy came to a, a Supreme Court justice's home to kill him for yeah. his views, for his views. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Really, really despicable. Now, my, part of my background is I worked on Justice Thomas's confirmation and I was uh, became his right hand man during his Supreme Court confirmation. So I went through that horrible battle with him. But he was having to wear a, a bulletproof vest back then in 1991 mm. because wow. the, 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 the service protection, he was getting death threats. So I saw this back then. It's 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 nothing like it is today because it's you know, it's after everyone. I, I, I live near uh, Justice uh, Barrett. And her home, she's got young kids. These picketers come around and it's against the law. There's a specific law that says you are not allowed to go to a Supreme Court justice's home or any judge um, to intimidate him, to influence them. And that's exactly what these folks are doing. And it's really utterly 
despicable. Hmm. Um, I, I, and it is, I mean, we could do the whole segment on that, but I want to, I want to make sure we talk uh, about the, the, this book, uh, Created Equal, Clarence Thomas, in his own words, uh, Michael Pack, the, uh, the uh, documentary uh, creator, and uh, our guest right now, Mark Paoletta, is uh, with us. And um, Mark, um, when you, we've all seen his words in the sense that uh, Justice Thomas has uh, written a lot. But this is actually his spoken word, the sort of transcripts of, of these interviews that went on and on about his childhood and his life. When when I, I had a friend watch this documentary, he's not particularly political, but open to be liking anybody. And I think and, and, and he said, what an extraordinary childhood. And to come from that, what was, you know, Justice Thomas for years now, what was the most surprising thing when you went back to look at this book and put it together, the books created equal from Regnery Press, when you said, wow, even I hadn't quite seen that put together the way. Is there something that jumped out at you? You know, I've known the justice for many, many years, and I've been down to pinpoint uh, with him and to Savannah. So hmm. wow. I know his, I, I've been down there several times uh, and we have, Thanksgiving dinner together and Christmas dinner together um, over our homes. So very close with him. So it's not, um, this is a lifelong passion project for me to get the justices (laughs) story out. So, you know, I went through the confirmation with him. And and as I said, I've taken my family down to pinpoint. I I know his mom. Um, In fact, when Michael was starting to make this film um, and I was involved with it, I took him down to pinpoint in, in Savannah to meet, uh, his friends and and, um, huh. um, and, and, and and relatives and things like that. So, you know, I know the justice well, but every time I go through his life, it's just so inspiring. And for your listeners, it really is this incredible story of a, of a, of a, of a person who was born into abject poverty in the segregated South with, you know, parents who weren't educated at all. And then a single mom who was very young with three young kids who couldn't take care of, you know, it was, it was very, very difficult. She was a maid at people's homes and she, you know, had to be there. And so, you know, Justice Thomas, Clarence Thomas is, is, is was wandering around the streets, hmm. um, you know, at, at that time, six, seven years old. And this kind of miracle event happens, which is, you know, his mom asks his, his, her father and, and uh, you know, his stepmother uh, for help in raising the kids. And they go off to live, Clarence and his brother Myers, with the, the grandfather, the grandparents. And that changes his life uh, hmm. you know, completely. Uh, and again, it's hard work, education, all those things that we talk about that, you know, that help instill that in, in Clarence Thomas. And then the, the extra piece is going to St. Benedict's Catholic Church, uh, which is run by these Franciscan sister Irish nuns. Uh, and those are the two things that really allow him to come out of this, you know, this you know, this, 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 this background that, but for that, he would have never escaped, you know, and it's an amazing story. Uh, you know, Mark, uh, we're talking with Mark Paletta, and he's the uh, co-author with Michael Pack of Created Equal, um, and uh, probably the better word to say, like the co-editor, yeah, the editor of this, uh, this yeah. Clarence Thomas's words from these interviews, yeah. but, but, um, Mark, you know, um, I've met the justice, Justice Thomas, a couple times. I we share some mutual friends, but only a handful of times. Um, I do, I do know his wife a little bit better, but but uh, he has always struck me, and people say this about him as fundamentally fundamentally joyful. Now, I, 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 there is something about sort of being successful at an early age, and by the time he was what, 42 or 43, he was on the U.S. Supreme Court, and he, before that, he had been successful enough that it gave him the confidence and all, but there's almost nobody that's gone through the public ringer over and over again. Every couple of years, they decide to do it again. And he's kept his, uh, 
his uh, joy about him. He's kept the sense. I'm sure he gets angry at things and he probably is. But it's um, that's an extraordinary achievement. I, I agree. I, and I'm again lucky enough to spend a lot of time with him and talk with him. Uh, and we laugh a lot. He is joyful and he loves to interact with people, you know, and, and Sonia Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor just did an interview. Uh, it, it's in the Hill. I guess she spoke at some, some conference and she said, there is no one else on the, in the Supreme court who literally knows the name of every single person who works in the Supreme court, you know, from the janitor to the folks in the, the cafeteria knows their names knows about their family, knows when somebody is injured or hurt or their kid is studying for a test. And it's amazing to me, Ed. Um, and I, again, I spent a, you know, Justice Thomas had a mechanic, um, that, you know, the, a guy who fixed his, uh, his po- coach bus. Everyone, Justice Thomas yeah. had a bus. Yeah. He yeah. travels around the country and I've been on it a fair bit. And, you know, there's a person down in Richmond who he found that, you know, was a great mechanic. And um, he knew everything about this guy. We'd go down and talk with him. And he tragically died. And, you know, Clarence Thomas went to his, his memorial service. Uh, and just as a, just a, just a, he's a regular guy uh, who doesn't like that, what I'll call the elite world of Washington uh, and, and connects with people at all stations of life in a joyful manner at their level. Like he's, he's you know, and it's, it's really inspi- to me inspiring. It's um, uh, 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 so um. A different question, but when you read his words, and I, when I watch that movie, um, uh, uh, the documentary, and again, Mark Paylett is our guest, and this, uh, the book is Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words from Regnery Press, out in just a few days, and you can pre-order it anywhere you buy books. Um, when, you, when you listen to him and you read, and, and you read these words, and I've seen excer- excer- excerpts of the book, um, um, he knows his place. In history, it seems he knows he's co- what he's where he's come from. He knows what he's gone through. Um, and does does somebody like him? Does he does he uh, is he um, uh, I don't know. Driven is the right word, but he's aware of that. So s- serving on the court, you know, a lot of these justices will stay forever and ever, and because they know they're doing something really valuable, and they and it's, it's interesting work and all. Um, and now Justice Thomas is is sort of in the forefront, right? I mean, you'll hear people say it's now the five four Thomas Court, um, and and so is he. He's human, so is he driven by that? Does that motivate him? I think he loves to serve. I think he loves to serve, and and to serve the right way. You know, he's not interested in the accolades. He's not interested in sort of being, you know, he's, he's a leader by his example. And, and the best way to, you know, sort of describe that, Ed, is, you know, Justice Thomas has written a number of opinions that were minority opinions, single dissents, right. that have now become majorities. And it's be, he hasn't moved. <laughs> you know, he hasn't moved. It's the court that keeps moving. And there was an opinion last, I think this past term, which was a solo dissent from Thomas a year or two ago. And it was now six three, <laughs> and so Justice Sotomayor said in a footnote, "Like, how did this just happen?" <laughs> so it really is the Thomas Court. And again, here's a, here's a great uh, you know for your listeners, you know, it, well, the way the Supreme Court works is the senior justice in the majority or in the minority is the person who assigns the opinion. Okay, other than the Chief Justice, who's you know he's the by virtue of being the chief is the senior person, but uh, but like in the Dobbs case, this this draft opinion that's leaked, you know, Roberts isn't part of it. So Clarence Thomas was the senior justice in it. Um, and, you know, he's been writing on abortion 
and why, you know, Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. And he's just talked about his barbarity and all that stuff in a a number of opinions over 30 years. And yet he is a senior justice and he assigns it to Sam Alito. So one of the most consequential decisions that's going to come down from the Supreme Court in like in the past hundred years and Clarence Thomas could have kept it for himself. I can name other justices who would have <laughs> definitely kept it for themselves to write the opinion and then right. they would be on it. No, Clarence Thomas didn't do that. He gave it to Sam Alito and Sam Alito has written an amazing opinion. But this just shows to me the humility of Justice Thomas as a justice. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing, you know, he is such an inspiring figure. Uh, for, you know, there's no other clerk network like Justice Thomas's. And these guys and, and women have gone off into public service. I think he's got 15 former clerks who are judges now, many of them on appellate level uh, courts, who are going to be the next generation. And even his critics, there's this guy who wrote that Justice Thomas is the most consequential justice, is a liberal a writer, in the past 40 years on the Supreme Court. And one of his legacies is going to be that he's got this sort of army of former clerks and students who love him or going on into the world after reading his concurrences, after reading his dissents, and now majority opinions that say, I love this, I want to do this. And it, that's going to be his legacy, too. It's um, it is. Uh, well, it, it, hey, how old is he, Mark? Can you, can you you're born off the top of your head? Born, born in 1948. I think he's like that's 73. Do the math for me. Yeah. There, so, yeah. Oh, so yeah. he's got he's um, that's he can serve a long time still. I mean, that's it was amazing. All right. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Paletta, I think your book is well timed. I think a lot of people are going to be studying Clarence Thomas and his opinions. But I think you get a lot of insight from him in his own words. So uh, it's a good idea to take what Michael Pack started. And I guess you helped with and get this done into a book. So out in a few days, a Regnery Press created equal Clarence Thomas is in his own words. Uh, thanks very much, Mark. I appreciate it. Ed, thanks for having me on. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody, and come back. I'll put it all up on social media so you can see the links uh, to the book and to the documentary. You should go and get the documentary if you haven't seen it. Extraordinary. Really, really powerful. For, uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, among other things, his words are incredible. He's got an awesome voice, too. So we'll, uh, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while since I talked with my old friend David Horowitz. David Horowitz, of course, is a very well-known for his writing. He has a, a new pamphlet out, which we're going to talk to him about, called The Progressive Threat. The Progressive Threat. And uh, he lays bare what exactly is happening. He also, of course, is a best-selling author of many books. Uh, one of the more recent ones, I Can't Breathe. Also, go to frontpagemag.com. Frontpagemag.com. And you'll see more about David's writings and David's work. So, uh, David, welcome. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Ed. It's good to be back. Um, so, David, uh, the progressive threat. What is it? Who is it? I see the pamphlet. I'm looking at it, and it's it's got a picture of Bernie Sanders. But you know, Bernie Sanders may be the progressive threat, the face of it. But I mean, Joe Biden and his his administration, I, they don't maybe they don't look as crazy as Bernie, but they're doing as much damage. So, who, where's the progressive threat? Who is it, and what's happening? They're doing far more damage than Bernie could do. Yeah, the progressive. What I'm trying to convey in this pamphlet, um, as somebody who grew up in the progressive movement, as you know, my parents, both of them were card-carrying communists. Right. uh, Is this mentality, which conservatives are in many ways too decent to understand. uh, The the idea um, that 
actually Barack Obama blurted out on the eve of his election. Um, he said, we're five minutes away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. If you believe in the fundamental transformation, if you're a, a true radical, if you are a revolutionary, then the mentality you have is a criminal mentality. And we can see this. Uh, you can see it in critical race theory. Uh, but it, it pervades these days the Democrat Party, as you'll see when I summarize it. Um, it the critical race theory regards the Constitution of the United States. That's the law the fundamental law of the land, as a um, white supremacist uh, document, uh, racist and white supremacist. And its position is nobody should respect it. So these people have a mentality already uh, that doesn't respect the fundamental law of our land, um, and, and you can see that in everything the Democrat Party does. They want to um, suppress free speech, eliminate the Electoral College. Uh, they actually want to abolish the Senate. They want to pack the Supreme Court and uh, uh, destroy the independence of the judiciary. Uh, and they want to judge people by race. Whereas America, you know, the words black and white and actually male and female don't appear in the Constitution because the founders actually believed in uh, the idea of a society in which everybody was equal before the law. Um, so the, the Democrat Party is a criminal party now. For people who find this... Uh, a little abstract. Just think of what they've done to the southern border. Uh, Barack Obama, uh, 22 times, actually, people have tw 22 copies of videos from television appearances where he explained to his radical followers that he did not have the authority um, to do DACA, that is to uh, ignore America's immigration laws and give a residential status to people here illegally. He actually said 22 times on TV, I don't, I, I don't have the constitutional authority to do that. And then he went ahead and did it. And Biden, uh, who has uh, ramped up the destruction of our border and let all millions of illegals in. And if only 10% of them are criminals, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of criminals. Um, uh, Biden has chosen to take taxpayer money, uh, suborn the military, uh, and, and fly people who broke our laws to get into the country all over the interior of the country um, because they want, they think they're going to be Democrat voters. 
Uh, uh, David, we're talking with David Horowitz. And let me, uh, David, I want to pause. The, the pamphlet is called The Progressive Threat um, and available. I'll put it up on social media at the Horowitz Freedom uh, Center store, which is David uh, is the founder of the, uh, the Horowitz, uh, David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, David, one, one, one specific uh, uh, question. When you saw that a, a man went all the way to Washington, D.C. with weapons and, and, and tape and zip ties and ended up outside of Justice uh, Kavanaugh's home. Um, you know, it's mere months or I don't know, maybe a year, I guess, after Chuck Schumer said, you know, you will pay the price on the steps of the Supreme Court. Um, besides the, you know, the real threat, the real threat of violence, It feels to me like the left has decided after 30 or 40 years of using the U.S. Supreme Court as an institution of change to now just denigrate it and and, and drag it down and and diminish it. You know, it was useful when they would give them five to four and six to three decisions. But if it's going to be five to four conservative, let's you know, let's make it a let's make it a political, uh, you know, storm so much so that in the last 24 hours, the Congress is trying to force Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, to testify about things and, and cause all this chaos and diminish the court. I mean, besides the violence, this degrading of institutions is what they do, right? The Democrats are gangsters. Uh, 20 years ago, I, I wrote in a, in a little pamphlet called How to Beat the Democrats that the Democrat Party was a coalition of communists and crooks. It's much worse than crooks. Nancy Pelosi uh, covered up the murder of Ashley Babbitt. She protected the identity of the murderer, who was a Capitol Police officer named Michael Byrd. It's all on videotape. She was murdered in cold blood. Then she stopped there being any investigation of the incident. Um, and then she saw to it that he, there, there would be no criminal prosecution against him. So Nancy Pelosi is literally an accomplice to murder. That is the mentality of these people. They're so uh, intoxicated with their own virtue. They think they're saving the world. Uh, If you think that you are saving the world, that you are going to create a fantasy called social justice and eliminate all discrimination, all racism, all sexism, uh, poverty, If you really believe and more, if you really believe that, and the Democrats do now, if you really believe that, what crime would you not commit or and what lie would you not tell? Well, that, and that, and that's, and then we're talking with David Horowitz. I mean, David, when I read your over the years, when I read your work, and I see you talk about how when you started out as on on the far left, um, what what they're doing, and then let's go back to another example: January sixth Select Committee. What they're doing is lying to the public with such sophistication and the power of the big media and big tech, so that lots of Americans are going to believe that what happened on January sixth was in fact an armed insurrection, and therefore, if it was an armed insurrection. Yeah, you know, if, if I told you, David Horowitz, I know for a fact that on next Tuesday, there's going to be an armed insurrection. You and I would say, what are we going to do to beat it? Well, and it would mean anything's on the table. It's like if, if so and so is Hitler, don't you think you're morally obligated to try oh. to stop Hitler? OK, I wouldn't be so pessimistic. Um, you know, that's debunked just by pointing out that, the, that nobody was armed. We're no guns. Right. No plan. Um, the Democrats have put 
propaganda into one bath, which is that the Republicans and Donald Trump are uh, are communists or whatever they think. Uh, they're tyrants, and the Republicans are anti-democracy. In the most recent poll, uh, actually, the majority of Americans, even if it's by one percent, don't believe that. They believe that the Republicans are better defenders of democracy. Uh, uh, da- David, one one question, one more question on, on this. Uh, the, the pamphlet again is the progressive threat. I know the answer because I've asked you before, but I need you, you to say it with your, all your authority. What is it that we, the people, and and certainly conservatives, have to do? In the pa- pamphlet, you say you've got to understand their mindset. But what does our mindset need to be, and what does our oh, conduct need to be? The language. Stop. Look, I, I, did, I didn't finish. Biden flew these illegals into the interior of the country in the middle of the night. He knows that he's a criminal. Why aren't Republicans saying that? When the Democrats do criminal things, why has nobody accused Nancy Pelosi of being an accomplice to murder? You know that the Democrats would do it in a heartbeat if the situation uh, was reversed. Uh, I think Americans need to stop, you know, conservatives are are prone to compromise because that's a more civil way of doing things, I guess. But you shouldn't compromise on the nature of this country. America is not a racist country. It never was a racist country. The, The 300 and every black slave was enslaved by black Africans and sold at slave auctions. America ended slavery 20 years in the North and 76 years in the South. It's a monstrous lie to talk about 400 years of American slavery. Just a, just a, it's a, just a racist lie um, because America was created with the Constitution in 1787. And 360,000 Americans, mainly white, almost all white, gave their lives to free the slaves. Is there another case of one race uh, making a sacrifice, not to mention the money, of course, but a sacrifice of that kind, mm. of that kind, yeah. in behalf of a, of a different race? There is none. Mm. There is none. Americans can be proud of their record on race. Yes, of course, there were racists and bigots, uh, as there are everywhere, including, uh, you know, in black America, for crying out tears. Americans have to get a grip on their own reality and defend it. And be aggressive in, in, uh, in their descriptions of when Democrats are criminals yeah. and, and treasonous. Democrats have no no compunction about calling Republican about faking dossiers to try to frame right right right, right. yeah but Republicans are completely tongue tied when it comes to identifying the treason in the Democrat Party yeah all right David Horowitz as always you have to listen to what he says and and what his instructions are the pamphlet is the progressive threat available at horowitzfreedomcenterstore.org I'll put it up on social media David as always thank you for your time and for your fight and we'll talk again soon 
All right. Thank you. Okay. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Although President Joe Biden claims to understand the gravity of the student loan crisis, he's not criticizing his Democrat supporters who control the universities and colleges as they senselessly rack up so much debt for their students. Meanwhile, these same schools bring in foreigners on visas as another way of grabbing more revenue. Many of these foreign students then overstay their visas and never return to their foreign countries. Others will take jobs from Americans here, take government entitlements funded by taxpayers, or even commit heinous crimes. Graduate-level positions, many funded by government grants, are increasingly filled by foreigners here. In the last decade, there's been a 39% increase in enrollment by foreign students in the United States. Today, they total an estimated 1.1 million students in college and university, a third of whom are disproportionately from China, which hardly seems deserving of more handouts from Americans. Statistically, those with college educations tend to make more money, which is all the more reason to reject calls for programs euphemistically known as loan forgiveness. Erasing student debt is shockingly unfair to those who went to work during their prime years or paid off their student loans. Colleges and universities should be the ones refunding students who did not receive good jobs that they were misled to expect from a liberal arts education. Of course, the students who take out these loans should ultimately be responsible for their repayment. The classic line regarding the 26th Amendment was that if an 18-year-old was old enough to gamble, smoke, and join the military, he's old enough to vote. The way I see it, if government deems an 18-year-old capable of voting, smoking, and joining the military, he must also be held accountable for the very adult decision to put himself in bondage with $100,000 of debt to get a useless college degree in some subject like women's studies. Never before has an American citizen been given student loan debt against his will. But if President Biden succeeds in transferring billions of dollars of student debt to the American people, all taxpayers will be forced to take on the student debt of others. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. These culturally relevant commentaries, along with videos, columns, and bulletins, are waiting for you at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Plus, find, follow, and share our news and views on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Parler, Gab, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's wrap things up as we head into this weekend with a little Father's Day tribute. Uh, Let me stick to my guns on this and just do a tribute to my father. My father is also named Ed, Edward Martin. He's actually Edward R. Martin, just like me. So I am a junior. And he was um, born and raised in New Jersey, came from a family. He was the oldest of six children. Uh, None of his siblings um, went as far along as he did. I think he may be the only one that went to graduate school. He became a lawyer and uh, he was self-made, my dad. He um, he made went and built his own law practice and uh, took care of his family and uh, took a, we have three kids in our family. My brother his younger brother and my older sister. And we have we have had a great life. And it is largely because my mom and my dad together 
And so I want to say on Father's Day, you know, I've had incredible memories and opportunities in my life. I've had incredible chances. I've taken lots of chances. And it's because my father has given me from the beginning the um, the confidence. He's given me his confidence. He's taught me and, and trusted in me. And uh, I never doubted that I could succeed, that I could um, uh, do well, that I could be a lot. And more importantly, I could have a great life. And my wife and I and our children, and we, you know, we have a wonderful life that we built. But uh, the, um, the anchors, the, um, the, the uh, base of my life and being able to succeed are my parents. And especially for me, my dad, who taught me a lot about being a father uh, for my family. So happy uh, Father's Day, Dad. Uh, I love you very much, and I'm proud of you, and I thank you for everything you've given us. Um, You have been uh, the uh, great success and role model in my life and in my, uh, I know, for my brother and my sister. And so um, we are always grateful always grateful for everything we've got. Uh, I'll tell you one quick story that my dad, I know, loved. When I was in my 20s, I was living in Italy and Rome, and my father came over, and it was one of the only few first times I'd ever had my parents, my, uh, my dad travel without my mom. A lot of times we'd go on vacation as a family. It was also the first time, I think, that my dad came over, and it was just he and I. And so we went from Rome down to Sicily, and we spent a week driving around Sicily, And I won't ever forget the times, just I don't know to say the specific moments or conversations, although I remember a few of them, many of them, but just the time together with my dad, what a gift. And so happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you very much. I'm grateful to God for the gift that you are in my life. And uh, I will see you this weekend, uh, but I also will always be remembering and uh, thanking God for you. So happy Father's Day to all of you out there that are with your fathers. And if you're missing your father, I, I feel that for you. And uh, God bless you. Okay, we'll be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.